and welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, reporting to you live all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and my blood is the vaccine. First time listeners, thanks for dropping in. Nice to meet you. The pleasure is all yours. Joining me tonight, Joanne Richards makes her return. She's a veteran here on the program. Many of you know her through her work, through her husband, Captain Mark Richards. She's the executive director of a educational nonprofit Earth Defense Headquarters. And she is back. Can you believe it? She was actually the first guest I ever had here on the program. So this show kind kind of means a lot to me tonight. This episode, I should say. I was going to say this show, but that too. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Thank you so much for being here, ladies and gentlemen. I see some familiar faces in the chat room. And of course, your phone calls are always needed. And tonight we debut a very, very new number. Do you have a pen or your cell phone in your hand? That number is 424-666-2425. One more time. 424-666-2425. And it sure feels good to be back. Congrats to you. We survived yet another week on this island earth. I also wanted to quickly just say thank you to those who signed up on Patreon. I really appreciate it. It's been fantastic. Now, without further ado, let's get down to brass tacks and bring in my guest, Miss Joanne Richards. How are you, Joanne? I'm good. How are you? I am fantastic. I can't complain. Good. <laughs> yes, I'm glad you're back, by the way. The last time we talked was about nine months ago. When the world was somewhat normal. Yes. Do you remember those times, Joanne? Simpler times. I do. And I, I just, I didn't remember that I was your first guest. So that was, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yes. Seven or eight months ago was a lot different than it is now. And how are you, by the way, so far? Have you been remaining COVID free? Yes. Thank you very much. And the family's cool. Everyone's all right. The, the family are all well. Thank you for asking. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. And of course, as we begin here tonight, there's so much I wanted to cover with you. <laughs> there really is. I, I'm going to get into everything here tonight. Oh, good. We're well, going to talk. Make sure we talk about the fires at some point. We are. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the husband. Okay. And I'm going to talk about meeting you and how great that was. And the fact that the anniversary is coming up, Joanne. So you mean a lot here to me. Thank you. You really Appreciate do. That. Yes, you might not even know that, but you really do. So there's oh. some there's some great value I see in you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and of course, for those who don't know much about you, I thought we could start off from scratch. Let's start from the beginning as we branch off into all sorts of topics here tonight. Great. Ask away. Yes. And of course, I know you are from California, of course, married. And we'll get into that. You are also a bookkeeper by trade. Yep. And before going down the proverbial rabbit hole for a better lack of term. I assume you grew up with both of the parents, correct? Yes, I did. Yeah. Four, four parents, two parents and three siblings. 
So both mom and dad were pretty much normal. Pretty much normal. <laughs> Nothing traumatic happened to you pretty growing much up. A pretty normal, a suburban life. Okay. N nothing unusual that you saw growing up. Nothing in the sky. Nothing that would be considered "quote unquote" paranormal per, per se. Not at all. I had I had no. You know, we watched um, monster movies and B-rated UFO alien movies in the fifties and sixties, and that's about it. So, yeah. <laughs> so no. So you weren't influenced by the outside at all. No, I just you know went to school, did my thing, went to church, did my thing, and that's it. Mom and dad, they weren't open-minded. Were they religious at all? Not really. Um, I joined, you know, I was probably christened a Methodist. And uh, later, I, as a 10 or 12-year-old, I joined the Mormon church. So I was a Mormon for a long time. But they never, they weren't. So they, they were not. I would not consider them religious at all, no. <laughs> Are you still Mormon? No. I, I left the church after I met Mark. And we got talking about many things and uh -oh. I I learned there was so much more than being to life than being a Mormon. Mark turned you away from God. Um I wouldn't say I you know, I'm just I turned myself away from the Mormon Christian concept of God. I still believe in, you know, higher power and stuff like that. But um just I as we talked about many topics and I realized there was more to spirituality than following one you know, line of dogma. Right. Um, and I was wanting to explore many topics and, and things. So I just realized I didn't need it. I didn't hate the church. I didn't have a bad experience with it, but um, I just decided I didn't leave it and need it. And, and once I started visiting him, you know, I wanted to visit him more and more and church takes up a lot of your time, especially on a Sunday. It takes like half a day pretty much. So I, I decided to, give up the church and spend a lot of time with him and stuff like that. So pursue other interests. Well, I don't disagree with you. That is a lot of time, no <laughs> yes. doubt. And I was joking when I said you turned your back to God. I, I was being dramatic. That's okay. Just trying to make you laugh. That's okay. <laughs> so, yes, you you married Mark Richards while he was in prison. And with yep. everything going on with COVID, how is he holding up, by the way? Uh, he's holding up. Um, I haven't seen him since the beginning of March. So, and he, he gets a few phone calls to me every now and then, but we haven't talked much in since March, but we write a lot. So, um, you know, he still, he does his job, but they've provided a flimsy cloth mask to the inmates that the, uh, the inmates themselves made. I think when there were fires nearby, they eventually got around to giving them N95 masks um, there was somebody at his job that tested positive, and so they quarantined everybody from that job for like two or three weeks, and then it turned out it was a, a false positive. So, and they, you know, quarantined him into a rat mouse infested gymnasium, and the conditions there were horrible. So, I mean, it's bad enough that where he's 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 in a gym, he's not in a gym anymore. Um, he's in a dorm setting, so there's like. They call them pods of eight or ten men right. in each room. So there's no there's no closed door. There's an open doorway. There's like um, there's not even full walls. It's like the the wall goes up maybe three feet, and then you can see into the room. Um, so there's there's no privacy. The bathroom's down the hallway, and there's just there's absolutely no privacy at all. So, but other than that, you know, he's uh, <laughs> 
you know, he's still going to work and sometimes they walk to chow some, you know, I don't think they're getting yard time much at all, but um, it just depends. But conditions aren't great there and it's worse because of COVID. Is he able to have a conjugal visit? No, we've missed three now. Thank you very much. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's we were terrible. Supposed to have a, we call them family visits because um, sometimes it's parents visiting their inmates or, you know, inmate children. So, um, but we were supposed to have one in March and then this stay at home order happened. So we missed March. Then it was going to be, you know, like July and we missed that. And we were supposed to have one last weekend and they, I mean, they canceled, you know, there's been no visiting since March of any kind. So well, that's going to be annoying. Have visiting. Yeah. That, that, that's going to be really <laughs> annoying, Joanne. I mean, we're both, adu- really we're both adults here. So, I mean, you know, that's got to be torture. Well, and just, just the, the fact that you, you know, you can't spend any time with your loved one. Oh, of and, course. And there's really no way to easily do, you know, enforce social distancing at a visit. So they're talking about um, maybe an, another facility other than him, but they're talking about like, you know, an inmate gets one visit a month when they do start to reopen and you won't even be able to like touch your inmate. So, it's like, okay. So now I've waited, you know, seven plus months. Right. And if I see him again, I can't hug him. So, hmm. you know, it's like, and it will only be for like an hour because they have to accommodate so many people. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's not like I am, you know, okay, I'm never going to visit him again under mm. those conditions, but it makes it very discouraging to want to go visit when you're only going to get an hour once a month, but it's better than we have now. So, so this pandemic didn't help at nope. all. Not one iota. No, no. Why? And, you know, there's certain, you know, there's certain things you'd like to say to each other that you don't want to say in a letter or in a phone call because everything is read and recorded. Understood. So, yes. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, <laughs> that is terrible. Yeah. Well, I feel bad for you, Joanne. I mean, you you don't get to have any fun. You don't get to see your loved one. That, that's yeah. that's going to drive you insane. Well, no, it, I'm I'm holding up, but it's it is very frustrating. I would be pissed off, but I yeah. hear you. I hear yeah. you. Thank and, you. And of course, since you haven't been able to attend any conferences, I know that's yeah. had to be a bit heavy on you. Correct. Well, I. I had a speaking engagement lined up for Carrie Cassidy's conference that was supposed to happen in June in England. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's interesting because the beginning of March when I saw Mark, you know, I had planned to come go to Portland to see my daughter because mm-hmm. I had just seen her in February. And then I was going to go see her in April. And then I was planning to book my flight to England. And Mark said, don't don't fly anywhere. Don't this fly. Thing is, this thing is going to be bad. Like, okay. <laughs> and then Carrie, of course, is obviously postponed to that conference. So, um, yeah, I, I haven't mm-hmm. gone anywhere to a conference. A, I think, yeah. well, I was at one, um, I guess it was at the end of February before the stay-at-home order happened. And that was right in the Bay Area in California. So, But other than that, you know, I haven't gone to any conferences. I, I've listened to a few, a few online, but that's about it. Yeah, I think most conferences are going to be conducted online through like zoom or skype how right, right. how sad right yeah well i think even the um did they have it or the ufo congress i don't know if they postponed it till next year somebody was having a big conference in september but i didn't listen to it so well, they're gonna have to postpone that for sure yeah yeah anyway yeah i'll, I'll bring up mark again and what he thinks if if okay. he has any well if you know of anything in regards to covid we'll we'll backtrack again here but 
Sure. Uh, yes, again. He, he has some thoughts about it, yes. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we'll get into that. So, again, okay. I, I'm certain that you you like the process, the traveling, meeting new people who are uh, like-minded. So, I'm sure that, that's been kind of difficult for you, I'm sure. Yes, I, I do enjoy uh, traveling and seeing new places. I do enjoy meeting people in person and having the opportunity to chat with them in person. Um, so... You know, not doing that has been kind of, you know, disappointing. But um, I mean, I'm always available online, so it's not like I'm not available at all. But it is nice to talk in person with people. That's right. And and get to know them better. And, you know, I love just I love public speaking. So <laughs> I, I miss being on stage. But um, yeah, that's the Leo in me. Understood. Even though I don't always fully agree with everyone's stance in the UFO community, it it's still a pretty surreal atmosphere. I was, um, I'm referring, of course, to, let's say, AlienCon. Well, let's use that for okay. an example, that conference. You know, wh when it's time to leave, I, I normally don't even want to go back home. <laughs> I had that, that much fun out there, and to be honest. And AlienCon was, um, I've only been to one of them. I think I went to the first one, but it was like um, more like a Comic-Con where people are dressed up and things like that. That's right. Yeah, so we, um, those of us in the Bay Area, a few of us did a, a big pan a panel, and we had several, well, we had a couple hundred people, or at least a hundred, seemed like more, but we had a large audience for that one, um, but um, but that's not your typical UFO conference, so. I liked it, and tonight I'm feeling nostalgic, because okay. we are close to another anniversary for the program. You were uh, the first guest, Joanne, the official uh, birth date was October 31st, but the first show, I believe, was November 5th. Oh, wow. 2016, and you were there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, Pretty wild. Great. Yes. So, again, I attended the Alien Con conference in Santa Clara. I, yes. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed eating dinner and running into people at the hotel like yourself. Thank you. And, yeah, you know, I saw you out there, and I thought, hey, Joanne is here. Wow. <laughs> so that was actually the first, by the way, that was actually the first time I signed autographs. Can you believe that? Oh, wow. That was That's truly cool. something else, Joanne. You know, I try to get out of it, really. I thought, uh -huh. I thought, why do you want my autograph for? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, every now and then I get asked to sign. You know, if somebody's buying a report, they'll want me to sign it, but I don't get a lot of requests for um Autographs. And somebody's asking weird. if I've met George Senda. I don't believe so. <laughs> I might know him by his face, but I don't know the name, I think. We all have a, a bit of George Senda in us. Okay. Should I know him? Well, you probably already know an archetype of uh, George Senda. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> so, yes, Joanna, again, um, it means the world to me that you're here. It's, it's awesome. And, of course, I must ask you. How did you encounter Mark, by the way? How did we meet? Yeah. Ah, as you've said, I am a bookkeeper by trade, and a friend of mine who I met through a place where we both used to work, um, we became roommates at some point, and her husband's in prison as well. And one day she came home, and, and I'd already been to prison to visit her husband and, uh, you know, another person, so visiting prison wasn't a scary thing for me. Um, she came home one day and said, hey, I met this really nice guy. He's really smart. You know, he's a friend of her husband's. And he was visiting with his mom that day. Would you like to meet him? And I said, sure, a smart, 
you know, smart man, it would be a new concept for me. So, um, so we started writing and a couple months later we were approved to visit. So then we started visiting in person and you know, that was 1997. <laughs> well, let me get this straight. It was a friend of yours who put you up to the idea to get involved in all of this. She said, I have a, I have a friend and you know, yes, he has yes, a friend. Yes. You might uh-huh. like him. Well, I had been to prison with her to visit her husband a couple of times. So, you know, I was used to what the visiting prison was like. I see. And then, you know, I had met another inmate. So we visited for a while and then I heard about Mark and, um, you know, he just sounded like a really interesting person. And then we wrote for two months. So I got to know how interesting he was. And, and then I was willing to meet him in person and we courted for five years. So we didn't just jump into, sure, you know, marriage. We courted for five years and then finally got married. So, And that's the way the cookie crumbled, in other words. It is. Uh, yes. Understood. Understood. And I'm just thinking, Joanne, how did that idea really come to fruition for you? Which idea? I mean, this idea of your friend saying, well, Joanne, I, I have a friend here. I want you to meet them. I mean, did you hesitate at all to accept the offer or was it something you slept on? No, I was fine. Because like I said, the, the thought of visiting somebody in prison, you know, was not overwhelming to me. I, I'd already been there. So the visiting room is is pretty, you know, it's a pretty friendly atmosphere. So, you know, I wasn't overwhelmed with, oh, what's it going to be like? You know, maybe the first time I went, you're a little hesitant with her to see her husband at a state prison. Yeah. Um, you know, that was a little weird. Yeah. It's um, not normal. No, but of course not, but you know, but I'm, I'm, well, obviously I'm used to it now. It's been over 20 years. Yeah. So. Yeah. So now it is, you know, it's part of your regular life, but I'm sure at the time a little strange, correct? It had to be. And then, you know, like I said, it's like, um, I would go maybe it's like, cause I, you know, would go see him, once a week and then it's like and at the time we met visiting was four days a week and when he got sent to prison it was seven days a week but by the time we met it was four days a week and it's gone down to like two days a week at the moment but I wanted to you know spend more time with him so I wanted to visit more often so um you know we had more time to talk yeah and Joanne I'm sorry I keep questioning you about this it's, it's no, no. just the fact that I find you fascinating even though I've talked to you before I, I'm just I'm just intrigued by you, Joanne. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's Uh, not so easy to do what you did, in other words. And and what I tell people is like, if I was in my 20s, I would not have chosen this life because I would have, you know, hoped for, you know, a a marriage with kids. So, Joanne, hold on, hold on. Let me let me stop you there, Joanne. So you're telling me that you have some regret. Tiny no, bit. I'm just saying. Oh, that okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't have any regrets. I'm just okay. saying that if I had been in my 20s when we met, I probably would have not no. gone in for a long-term relationship. Okay, that's fair. You know, knowing that he has a, a, you know, a life sentence, you know, and Absolutely. at the time we met, lifers did not have family visits. So, you know, if I'd been in my 20s and he was a lifer, there would have been no family visits and no kids. So, understood. Anyway. <laughs> understood. Yeah. Well, again, and, that's a very difficult thing for anyone to do. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's not it's not a life I would recommend to everybody. And, 
you know, I've written a book and I outline some of the realities of what it's like to be married to somebody in prison, you know, as part of the book. But so it's, you know, <laughs> that's why I like you, Joanne. You, you're tough. You're a tough girl or a tough woman. I am. <laughs> Love that about you. And of course, I, I watched a number of interviews in regards to your husband out there in Vacaville prison. For those that don't know, of course, we saw all that through the work of Project Camelot and Carrie Cassidy. We, we've seen all the footage for many years. And uh, there, there's a lot to take from those interviews. I was pretty blown away by them the first time I saw them, to be honest with you. What what exactly happened? Was there any trouble, by the way, when Carrie was first visiting the uh, prison out there trying to get these interviews? No, because we, um, I, I contacted the prison information officer and told you know she had she got approved to be a visitor, okay, just like everybody else does. And then I called and got permission for him for her to be like. I don't know if registered the right word, but it's like here, you know, here's this per, an approved visitor and she's a journalist. And when she comes, she's going to interview my husband and, you know, which means, you know, she's going to want to take notes. We already knew you, she couldn't record with video because that's against media policy for anybody. Um, but, you know, so they, they noted it. And the first several times, like sometimes they would let us bring in paper and a pencil or a pen, not a pen. Um, a p pencil and then other times they wouldn't and you know staff changes so the staff who originally knew that she was approved you know then you have to explain to people what she's doing there so it's gotten to the point where we can still sometimes bring in paper but sometimes we have to get it from the people in the visiting room and we have to get pencils from them and they're usually little stubby pencils and one time she had to like take her notes with a crayon and <laughs> I see it's not always easy. And of course, you still remain great friends with Carrie. Oh, yes. Yes. She's been there, what, 11 or 12 times now over the years? I believe so. It's, and it's interesting because I don't do a lot of talking when she's there. I've, I've done more talking lately, but um, I'm usually getting the food and listening and you know, making sure they have what they need because they're doing rapid fire question and answers and talking as fast as they can because we never know how long you know, we'll have to visit. So yeah. And there was a lot said there. Yeah, there, there was a lot, lot to say. There. And yeah. Well, one of the most interesting things I, I took from that was who's running the planet. <laughs> That's always a fun topic. What races of uh, aliens are coming down and interacting with humans and aligning themselves with various countries, governments and uh, militaries. I thought that was pretty fascinating to hear. Yes. Yes. And, you know, and again, I, even with everything that's happening right now, I have to say I still believe that no one race is running the planet, um, you know, and no one elite group is running the planet. But, you know, the Illuminati is certainly um, the biggest of the of the elite groups. And we, you know, we have reptoids and other nasty alien species that are really um, causing a lot of problems. And I will say... Um, <laughs> Loving what somebody just said. Um, but somebody asked what Mark was in prison for. So just briefly, he he was convicted of masterminding a murder that happened in California in 1982 that he had nothing to do with. Oh, they. Yeah. Um, 
I love this. The, somebody just said the reptilian ones, when you ask who's in charge, the reptilian ones with big hook noses. <laughs> and just, I, I always say there are many reptilian species and one species are, one species in particular are the raptors and they are our allies, even at this point, even at this time. So there's many species and I never lump them all together as one reptilian species. I love that you're in the chat, by the way. Yeah, well, I, I'm watching. I've got the Skype open in the chat. <laughs> I always tell every guest, uh, beware of the uh, chat room. You might not like what they say in there. You know, like you said, uh, I'm tough. You are tough, and I appreciate <laughs> that. So, again, I'm so glad you are in the chat room and you are aware of the comments that are in there. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I'm not. I'm obviously not typing answers because I'd rather just talk to you, but I am watching them sometimes. I appreciate but, um, that. Thank you. And of course, Mark Richards is serving a life sentence without parole for the murder of Richard Baldwin, a crime that became known as the Pendragon murder. Yep. Let's talk about that for a second here. What would you like to know? What do you know about this uh, Pendragon murder exactly? Well, the Pendragon part comes from a science fiction, political fiction, fantasy book that Mark was writing. And he started writing it probably when he was a teenager. He finished it up after he went to prison. I published the first volume. But before prison, he'd already written, I don't know, numerous volumes. And the kids that were involved with the murder that used to work for him, um, said that he was planning to overthrow the county and he was he had this like Pendragon cult. But Pendragon, you know, just like Camelot, is he'd written this fantasy book about Marin in the future. And again, the future for him when he started writing it was like the year 2000. There'd been a revolution. Marin separated itself from the rest of the United States. And Marin is the county just north of San Francisco, for those of you who don't live right there. Um, and... So it became this kingdom run by three kings and it was environmentally friendly and there was no army and there was no taxes and everybody was supposed to be educated. And one of the king's last name was Pendragon. So that's, you know, where the whole Pendragon thing came from. Understood. Yeah. And Joanne, I'm just wondering how long did it take before um, the conversation was brought up, this conversation between you and Mark? Um, it took a while, I'm sure. Yeah. And okay. well, I mean, I would say even before I knew about the UFO and alien stuff, yeah, I, I was publishing two of his books. One about one that we just talked about is called Imperial Marin. And I have many copies left if anybody's interested in it's a, it's a good book. And then I also published another fiction book that he wrote. So I was doing that. And, but what's interesting about the book, and now that I know about the other side of stuff, um, it's like you have a fanatic religious person who's really evil in there, and you have things going on in space, and there's like the kings have commerce going on in space. So it's like, oh. And the illustrations he did for the book, which are not in the copy that I published, but in his manuscripts and stuff, are different spacecraft that look very similar to uh, what the military is showing us now <laughs> that they're coming up with. Um, That's very and, interesting. Yes. Because he's, he's been around the military for, since he was a little kid, obviously. And 
he always knew, you know, he knew what the military was developing. So they're always years ahead of what the civilians know. So he had some really interesting drawings that is now being, you know, they're public. So yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. It seems like UFOs are the hot topic still, more so now than any other time that I could remember. Right. Yeah, especially with the Pentagon uh, releasing <laughs> files. So I'm sure uh, you've been paying attention to all these strange things that have been going on uh, with our government. Uh, has have you been told anything about that? Has is there any? Has Mark mentioned anything about that? About which part? Uh, just the, pen the Pentagon releasing files and disclosing that we've still been researching UFOs all this time. I think they're at the point where, and this is just my opinion, but I think they're at the point where they know they, you know, the they have up. to admit some things. Right. Because, you know, it's like, okay, and I don't know the exact year, but, you know, Trump uh, organized supposedly, you know, this new space Space force, force right. And, okay, we've had Space Command. For a long and we've time. Had military yeah. space programs going on for a long time. So mm -hmm. if if he didn't need to kind of admit, well, he's not going to admit, but if he didn't need, if he didn't need to use it, then he wouldn't have said anything. But obviously there's reasons why we need to use this stuff. And it, it's interesting because Mark had told me, and I, this was never in the news, that on September 2nd, you know, we launched an ICBM missile from Vandenberg. And on September 2nd, a huge rocket was launched from a base in Utah. So why does the military need to launch those kind of things if there's not problems with aliens? <laughs> problems with aliens, problem in space with uh, other yeah. humans, uh, other countries out in space. Yeah. That's yeah, all happening with Russia and China leading the uh, force in that. And everybody has their own space program, apparently. And even back when... <sighs> The first I knew about any type of secret space program was that uh, some scientists developed or created or, you know, invented, whatever you want to call it, designed, designed is the right word. Um, oh, I'm, oh, the Orion space, the Orion class space battleships. And this was in the late 50s. And one of them, Freeman Dyson and Theodore Taylor, Theodore Taylor was like a and second, you know, who was a great uncle to Mark. He was related to Mark's mom. Um, so this has kind of been, you know, this whole space program involvement runs in Mark's family. So, I mean, we've been doing space stuff since, you know, after World War II. Understood. And, of course, for those that are following along here, uh, Mark talked about all sorts of fascinating things. Of course, he also mentioned, as you know, the secret space program. And as you know, lots of people in the UFO world are fighting amongst each other. Some people even have lawsuits against each other. We won't mention names because uh, yeah, we don't really want to uh, draw too much attention to those folks. But you know who I'm talking yeah. about, Joanne. Well, and I don't get into, I don't like to get into people's drama and I don't like to get into yeah. in, any infighting and that kind of stuff. I just, we don't need my to. business to share information. So understood. But don't you find that fascinating? I mean, does it all come back uh, to some of the things that Mark has talked about? Well, sure. Because you know, he comes from a military background. So, and he's experienced this stuff firsthand and I don't spend time saying necessarily who on the UFO speaking circuit. Oh, you know, I'm not saying, okay, I'm not trying to point out who's 
sharing truth or not truth. I'll Understood. just say that, you know, I might disagree with what they say. Yeah. You know, and, and I, you know, there's people who in my question and answer programs that are other speakers who give me a hard time, but it's like, you know, I'm not going to fight with you. I'll, yeah. I'll talk to you, but I'm not going to fight with you. But if we can all disagree to, we can all agree to disagree, but most of you have not been in the military so, or, you know, have not been involved with this in the military. So how can you say that I'm lying? Was right. Mark wasn't in the military, but his father was. Is that is that true? Or was they, he in the military? Both in the military. Okay, he was in the military for sure. Yes, they okay. both are. Were okay. His his dad uh, was in the Air Force, and um, when he retired officially in the mid '60s, he took over an international security agency, which was a high level military intelligence agency founded by the the United Nations. And it was originally run by Admiral Nimitz, and then Mark's dad took over. So, you know, everybody thought he was retired, but he was still working pretty much up until the day he died. Um, and, you know, Mark started out in the Army after, not the minute he got out of high school, but after high school, he went in the Army, and he spent time in Vietnam, and then got out of the, you know, got out of Vietnam, and later he was in the Navy. So he's he's a Navy captain. Understood. And one of the most fascinating things I like to hear about, uh, one of the things that Mark has talked about, was the ever so fabled battle at the secret base at Dose. Right. Love that story, by the way. <laughs> you know, that was when I first started speaking or did, started doing interviews, that's what people wanted to talk about. And if you really, if you read the whole report that, my nonprofit sells. I mean, it's pretty scary reading about the horrendous things that went on there. And, and yet that's what they wanted to talk about. And it's like, he doesn't like to talk about it. Um, but I, you know, I have the report and I finally read it after some people had bought it and read it and said, haven't you read this yet? I go, no. Um, but obviously I have, and I've given talks about it and I've actually been to the little town of Dulce in New Mexico. And they used to have a, a nice conference there for a few years. And I spoke there two years in a row talking about the base and things. So it's, it's still a hot topic. Oh yeah. People are still quite interested in hearing the whole, um, secret base and, uh, the, the battles that, uh, apparently happened there. Yes. Well, there was, and, and not to digress, but yes, this is the guy who Carrie Cassidy's been talking to all these years. Um, so Dulce, there may have been more than one battle. Sure. You know, Mark, as a, a military person, you're on a need-to-know basis. He, the, the one time he was there, um, he only knew what his assignment was along with the other personnel that were with him. So it happened about the same time that Phil Schneider said he encountered aliens and there That's was right. a gunfight. It could have been the very same time Mark was there um, because the, some of the details are similar about, you know, the 66 military people getting killed. Phil Schneider would not have been part of the military operation, but, um, you know, Mark's dad was one of the people in charge of that. So, you know, Mark was one of in charge of one of the squads that entered the base and had a, you know, was involved with a horrendous firefight, if you want to call it, or just combat. And they rescued 3,500 people and, and captured a couple craft and got the heck out of there. And they were there in just slightly over an hour, in and out. That's right. I st I'm still waiting for that to be some sort of uh, made into some sort of movie eventually. Well, you know, there's um, there's a guy in England and I can't remember his name, but there's I think it's called um, 
Zohar Gate TV. You know, it's like an internet media platform. And and there is a guy that's done a couple of um, he he narrates the story of he kind of combines sometimes he, I think he's combined Dulce and the Vesta space battle story because they happened like one right after the other. Um, and then he's used different graphics and they've been really nice graphics, but so that's as close to a movie as we have so far, but um, you know, it's like they did it on their own, but it, it's pretty well done. And by the way, when you heard that Trump was going to assemble a space force, what were your initial reactions, by the way? I'm sorry I didn't ask you that earlier. No, um, I just figured, well, you know, it's it, it's not that he was just now assembling it. It's because we already have it. And he probably needed to say he was just now organizing it because he couldn't hide the fact that we have it or need it. That's just my opinion. But, um, you know, it's kind of like um, the Apollo program came online to as a legitimate cover for the secret stuff the military was doing in space. So if we have to deal with space things, of course you're going to organize a space force. But what I'm saying is the military's had a space, you know, presence for a long time. And we just probably have to admit finally that we need to use it. Understood. And of course, I'm, I'm, I was actually looking at the uh, chat room there. Um, some people think uh, Phil Schneider was a fraud. I, you know, I don't, I, I didn't, I don't know him. And yeah, I don't know him. I obviously, yeah. listen to everything he said. I just take it with a grain of salt. I'm just saying his details are about the same timing as the conflict that Mark was part of. So I don't know if he was a fraud or not. Understood. And of course, the whole um, raptor-like uh, aliens were also something that were introduced. <laughs> during one of these interviews with uh, Mark, I've always found that uh, kind of unusual that there would be a, a raptor-like alien being. Oh, they're cool. Um, you know, <laughs> they're Mark's best friend. Really? Um, there was, in in August of 1952, Mark's dad was stationed at Hamilton Air Force Base, which is about, you know, it's in northern Marin County. Um, it's deactivated now. And the officers and their wives were all sitting around the, the swimming pool, the officers club pool. And all of a sudden, you know, six and then two more. So eight flying saucers showed up at the base. And so the men were all called down to their, you know, jets or planes. And Mark's dad and a couple others came out of their hangar in a flying saucer that, you know, our Air Force had developed. Anyway, they went and dealt with them. And I don't know that there was, I don't know what happened when they went to deal with them. Um, but then they, you know, the flying saucers went away. Our men came back and um, one flying saucer, you know, came back and landed. And it was this tall Raptor ambassador who, you know, we, his, we, his name is Prince Naga Draconis. So we just call him Prince Naga. Um, anyway, he introduced himself to the officers there and spent like two or three days talking with the, the military officers and teaching about alien stuff and teaching them about space and and things. And he and Mark's dad became really good friends. And so, and at the time, their empress, because they're ruled by an empress, um, and their empress had decided it was it was probably time because before that they would you know eat humans and stuff like that. And but she decided it was time for them to try and be friends with us and try and get along. So since 1952, 
the Raptors have worked with our military as our allies. Understood. And, of course, I'm looking at the chat room again. I'm making the fatal error of doing that every so often here, Joanne. (laughs) But um, I'm looking at a post here from Dublin who says, no one has anything to say about Linda Howe. So I think he's referring to Linda Moen Howe. And I think so. I have no. I, I, well, what happened to Linda? I'm not quite sure that that she I, I succumbed to COVID. Well, what's going on? I, I don't know anything about her. I mean, I I think I talked to her once on the phone when I was first early on getting into this, and that's the only time we've ever talked. You know, I've been around her when she's been at conferences, but it's not like she's ever interviewed me after that, or you know, we haven't we haven't had any conversations. So I don't really follow her life. Yeah. So in other words, you're not exchanging Christmas cards with her. Yeah. <laughs> Understood. I've only met her once and it was outside of my hotel at the Conscious Life Expo. Oh. Uh, she was staying, I think, maybe two rooms down and I got out of my room uh-huh. and I was going to go down to the lobby and she sees me there and she gives me the biggest hug oh, nice. in the world. And I was with a friend of mine and, and she says, uh, do you know Linda? And I said, no, I don't. <laughs> and she says, well, she just hugged you. And I said, yeah, I noticed. So, um, huh. that was, um, that was unusual, but I like Linda. I think she's a, uh, a great journalist. She was sure. on coast for many years and all of a sudden we don't hear about Linda anymore. So there, there could be some drama there, but I don't know what's going on with Linda. I hope the best for her. And that's all I can really say in regards to Linda Mo and how. Yeah. I, you know, I, I have a busy life. So yeah, we don't know what's going on with Linda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah hopefully she's okay though. Yes. Yeah, she's a nice, she's, she's nice. She's a nice lady. <laughs> By the way, you know, all this talk that, that, that we've been discussing here for the last 47 minutes or so, we've been talking about a secret space program. Right. And for many people out there, Joanne, they're going to be listening to this and they're, they're going to be thinking, man, these two are crazy. Yep. People call me crazy all the time. But here's the thing, Joanne. I, I would have been one of those people, except, you know, I did talk to Gary McKinnon for, uh, number of, uh, number of time. I, I should just say, I'll keep it simple here. Are you familiar with Gary, by the way, Gary McKinnon? A little bit. You know, after talking to him for a, a little bit, a little bit of time, you know, for those who aren't familiar, he's the guy who breached the uh, security def- defenses of NASA and the U.S. military back in like 2001, 2002 from his girlfriend's house. And he found this document that was entitled non-terrestrial officers. So, you know, I've always found it kind of strange, some of the things that he talked about. And this was a long, long time ago, a super long time ago. And I always thought, you know, maybe he's not lying. You know, the guy did serve time for this. <laughs> he did serve time. So it's not some made up story. Right. Do, do you believe Gary by, by any chance? Um, I, I don't know. It, it, it's like I'm not saying his everything we've heard is right or wrong. But, but obviously, I believe in aliens, sure. and I believe that there's races that don't live here, and that they, you know, come here and visit, and some have bases here. So, you know, I don't know about the reality. I don't know about the truth of his specific information. Sure. I'm just saying the government knows a whole lot more than they're going to tell us. And you know, it's interesting because um, in some of these riots that have been happening. You know, with the Black Lives Matter thing, um, you know, Marcus has seen videos where he'll then he'll write me and go, you know, not the the protesters, but like then the people who were doing the extreme violence. He said, you know, you can 
you can see, even though they're wearing hoodies, that there's reptoids in those crowds inciting the violence. So, and, and then quickly those videos get away, get out of the news. And he even saw it recently in something that was posted from Florida. So he'll see stuff that I don't see on the news, but, you know, and he can recognize it. So there is a problem and, and not alien, not all aliens are bad, but there is, you know, there are aliens. Our governments all over the world have known about it. The major religions know all about it. They're just not going to tell the public officially. Understood. And I don't want to spend too much time on this subject, but since we're here, I feel that it's only appropriate that we um, mention this. As you know, Joanne, our country is in a severe crisis, in my opinion. Yes. It's even made those who are quite stoic fold. And we are completely divided right now. There's nonstop protesting going on. And uh, that basically unfolds into crime and chaos and ongoing and ongoing plague, I should say, that some folks out there think it's not real. That's how you know we are doomed, by the way. All common sense is out the window. Uh, mm-hmm. Dreams and ideas have now turned into a nightmare reality. And, you know, Joanna, I don't care about anyone's political stance. Some people find themselves, uh, some people find themselves to, to be that uh, self-important that they would actually think that I, I would even care who they're voting for. But I'm sorry I don't spend my time thinking about who you're going to vote for. The, the right. reason why I'm bringing this up, uh, Joanne, is because I'm quite sure you two have noticed a rather deep divide amongst people. I feel like we're back in uh, 2016 and people have lost friends. They lost family. And it's it's incredibly sad all over all because of politics. Right. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, yes. And Mark just in a letter I think I got today, Mark was noticing or remarking on the increase in violent crimes recently. And, you know, as I mentioned to you before, today is apparently National Mental Health Day. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> what funny. I've learned is we have to take care of ourselves That's right. and our loved ones that are around us. Um, and and you can't, you know, it's like you and I were talking about this. It's like, you know, you and I've tried to tell my younger grandchildren this. It's like you you can, it's perfectly fine to disagree with somebody else's belief system. That doesn't mean you need to hate them and you don't need to stop being their friend. You know, unless you two are arguing about it the whole all the time. But, you know, it's like there's married couples that one votes one way and one votes this way, but they still stay happily married. That's right. But, you know. But you've noticed that there's some people that really get emotionally invested to the point where they won't talk to you if you support X, Y, and Z. Right, right. I can't believe that, to be honest. I, I just, I can't believe there are people out there who are really like that. Yeah, there are. Um and <laughs> people just can't accept other people. I mean, I, there's pl- I have plenty of friends that I don't agree with them on a lot of things, but I still love them to, to death. Right. Yeah. Right. I don't. So, I don't give a shit again, what, who they're going to vote for. Disagree. Yeah. Exactly. And but move on. <laughs> it's just I, I've noticed some people getting getting um, uh, what's the term? Maybe we should say voter shame, perhaps. Oh. I, I I've seen people get shamed about who they're going to vote for. And I just don't, I don't agree with that. I don't feel like you should gang up on someone because they have an opposing political view than you. Right. Right. I've seen it happen like in person and it it was really something else. I I thought, wow, we, 
we're kind of doomed in a way if this is really the attitude out there. I think we are kind of, we kind of dug ourselves in a hole, Joanne, and I don't see ourselves getting out of it anytime soon. No, and it's interesting, and I'm I'm not going to get into a huge, I I won't get into a political discussion, but I was remarking to my daughter the other day. It's like, I grew up in a family that was straight one political party. So all you knew was that's how you voted. And obviously I've grown. So I was so excited when I could vote for the first time because I was going to vote the same ticket as I knew my parents were voting. Now I've grown beyond that belief system. Sure. (laughs) And it's like now I look at who's running and what they stand for and I vote accordingly. But my daughter was blown away to know that it's like, what do you mean? Number one, you grew up in that party. And number two, you always voted the straight party line. I go, well, until this other friend of mine years later, you know, told me about somebody that was running from his party. It's like, I didn't even look at the other party. So it was was very interesting. (laughs) Yeah, it it is interesting. And of course there are, because I'm looking at the chat room now, it's a spouse. So shaming is the worst. And the funny thing is though, that I know plenty of people who are married to, uh, their counterpart in, in the sense of political ideologies. I know plenty of Republicans who are married to a liberal or a Democrat. Right. And, you know, those conversations are always fun. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that many people that agree with every single thing I say, Joanne. I mean, right. if you really do agree with someone a hundred percent in everything they say, then you yourself are just deluded. <laughs> I don't know what else to say to you. I mean, you're it's- like Jim Jones. It's kind of like, um, you know, you'll have people get people married that are two different religions. And that's sure. that's difficult. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But, you know, somehow they make it work. He's a Mormon. He, I mean, she's a Jew. He's a Mormon. Or they're, you know, he's a Mormon. <laughs> she's a Catholic. You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's it's I think people forget that. I, I don't know why, but people definitely forget that it, we're, we're very di- we're extremely um, diverse as well. Right. At the same time, I mean, as polarizing as politics are, we, we still forget that we're all human at the end of the day and we're all part of the same team. I think that sort of that mentality has sort of gone away and now it's become kind of dangerous, I would say, for the left and the right. Yeah. And we need to, you know, we and I would say one thing that's a nice thing that's come out of this COVID. Yeah. I know nice isn't the right word probably to use, but you know, I've seen many videos of like people all over the world um, standing on their balcony and playing their musical instrument for their neighbors to hear or singing, or you see choirs that have to practice virtually. And then they'll do this, post this little mini concert on TV or, you know, their videos, uh, YouTube or whoever. And it's like, Oh, that's really beautiful. And so people are sharing positive things you know, so we just have to watch out for each other and take care of each other as best as possible. And, you know, I try when I pass somebody on the sidewalk and we're all wearing our masks or not, but I am. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to smile so that they can see with my eyes that I'm smiling or I'll say hi to people that maybe I wouldn't normally say hi to just because, you know, we're also, you know, worried about COVID and stuff. But you still need it's still nice to be human and kind to each other. Isn't that annoying wearing the mask? It is annoying, but, um, you know, it, it's interesting because I have a lot of friends who don't believe this is real. Oh, my. And, yeah, me too. And I have a daughter who's a healthcare practitioner who is very vocal about, you know, protecting one another and, you know, 
keeping us keeping each other safe because I'm older and I have, you know, diabetes, so I don't want to get sick. But I mean, I, I do believe there's a virus. I also believe there's some aliens behind it or going along with it. That's it what my dad spread. That's what my dad says, by the way. He says yeah, the virus yeah. is spread to keep uh, aliens from invading Earth. I thought, you know what, Dad? Yeah. As crazy as that sounds, you might yeah. be right. The reptoids <laughs> are involved with the the coronavirus, and they might be. Uh, yeah. No, Marcus mentioned that as you know we've or he's implied it, and or I've asked about it, and you know he'll give me a look like yes, you're right, but I can't really t- say a lot about it. But <laughs> um, so I I firmly believe that there's some alien involvement there. I also believe. Um, you know, there's a lot going on under the cover of, you know, COVID. So understood. I, I agree too. And it, like the fires. It really, yeah, the fires. We'll talk to, we'll mention that yeah. in a second here, but none of this makes sense to me. Why? I'm, it just, it's just so bizarre. Well, the, the whole know, situation that we're COVID, in. If you use a disease, what better way to kill off a bunch of people if you want there to be fewer people on this planet? Well, that would be Agenda 21, no doubt. So. You know, there's there's a lot of elites and aliens who want a lot less people on this planet because it will be, you know, in their eyes, a lot nicer planet if there weren't so many of us here who screw it up and, you know, foul it environmentally. Joanne, let me ask you this. <laughs> D- do you think this virus was purposely leaked out to infect humans? Yes. You think this was purposely yeah. done? I do. Oh, no. I could be wrong, but it's... You know, it's kind of like a lot of other things. Maybe, I mean, that's my personal belief, right or wrong. Um, even if it wasn't purposefully leaked out, it's certainly been used for their agenda. Well, I'll tell you this, Joanne. The FBI has a track record of accidentally releasing these viruses. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. So, I mean, I'm not well, exactly against what you're not saying. not to say there's not some alien infiltration <laughs> in the FBI. That's true. I, I mean, certainly think there is some in the CIA. You really don't. You can't just, you can't just um, shoo it away in 2020. Because yeah. if you would have told me just a, a couple months ago, about 10 months ago, Joanne, that we'd be facing this pandemic. I, mean, I wouldn't have believed it. I would not have believed the word you said. No, and look, I wouldn't have believed it And, and look at us, Joanne. We're sequestered. Yeah. We don't know what's going to happen. The, we're all the government. Well, we're not all afraid, but you know, we're certainly mm-hmm. more cautious. Many of us are way more cautious than we used to be about certain things. And maybe that's a good thing, though, that we America has taken this as a wake up call. I, I mean, I hope a lot of people out there have, because I certainly have. This has woken me up to my health. Uh, number one, yeah. that's really what it's done to me. Right. Yeah, I, I've considered my health, and also all this whole the the, the whole time. That we've been under lockdown, Joanne. I've just been contemplating my life and trying to improve myself from within the entire oh, time. Good. good, me too. Yeah, and it's just this is the this was the perfect time to sort of reinvent yourself and yes. to truly get in your head that perhaps you you're going to have to adapt. You're going to be forced to adapt and perhaps find a new profession because the job that you lost might not be there. True, and thankfully, my profession. I mean, I lost a few clients because their business is closed, but I've gained a few clients as well. But so my bookkeeping hasn't suffered that much I'm as glad. a lot of other people. So I'm grateful for that. I'm glad. I've also, because I don't have, I'm not allowed to see Mark. I yeah. have time for self-care or more time. Um, and 
I have time for working on myself. You know, I had time to finish writing my book. So, you know, I, I do see some benefits of this time. So. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you see something positive out of all this. And I'm doing a lot of walking, so I'm getting healthier. Getting your health going. Very nice. Good. Yeah. Pardon me? I said, yeah, you're getting everything going. I'm glad. Yeah. I hope you're taking vitamins and oh yeah, yeah keeping. Like I your... said, my daughter's a healthcare practitioner, so oh, there I you have go. Plenty of herbs no. and plenty of whatever it is I need to take. And she's been okay, right? She hasn't been sick at all. No, no. I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of nurses out there myself, men and women. She's, she's not a nurse. She's a, a lactation consultant and an oh, okay. herbalist. Okay. So she would see a lot of moms and babies or parents and babies. So, you know, for a long time, she wasn't seeing anybody in person. She'll do a lot of virtual, uh, virtual meeting sessions, right? Appointments with them. And now she is seeing some in person, but, you know, she's fully masked and scrubs and, you know, everything is covered. And, you know, you know, she sanitizes everything between clients and, but still, you know, babies are spitting up on her and whatever. And, you know, (laughs) so she, that's another reason why she's very careful about, um, her family and, you know, who they spend any time with. And, you know, she just wants to make sure she's not bringing anything to her patients and that, you know, she's not coming home to her family with anything that her patients might have brought in. So, you know, she's she's very cautious, which is great. Very good, very good. And back on track here, I wanted to mention quickly that there is a new UFO documentary coming out called The Phenomenon. Uh, Yes. Have you been paying attention to that, Joanne? Um, Only because I've, I've, well... That's uh, James Fox, right? I believe so, yes. Okay, good. I mean, I met him years ago Mm -hmm. when he was uh, promoting one of his other films. And I know this, um, I briefly know, I've met him. I think one of the guys who helped edit that, um, I've met him briefly. And I I used to do some work with his mom, so. Understood. And it's actually streaming. I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's actually streaming now, apparently. Oh, cool. Yeah, so everyone can. I need to watch it, see what they have to say. Right. So now everyone can enjoy that. Um, I'm trying to see where it is streaming, but it doesn't say in this article. I've only seen like ads for it popping up on Facebook. So uh, Dave says Amazon. Perhaps oh, you could, okay. yeah, perhaps okay. you could find it there. Yeah. But I do like the fact that they did mention the Zimbabwe case with the elementary school. When a bunch of small school children, about 60, oh, saw something. Were kidnapped? Well, they weren't kidnapped, but they saw oh. a UFO uh, land. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. I always thought that was a um, pretty legitimate case. Uh, that that was by the late Dr. John Mack, by the way. Interesting. Now, I have um, I've done one talk. Mark, he, he never f- fully finished the report because he had to send some stuff home and he didn't finish it. But he was working on uh, a report about UFOs and aliens in Africa. Mm-hmm. So, like, I've got stuff on the the northern countries and the southern countries. So I've done a talk a couple times on UFO alien activity in the southern countries of Africa. And it's, it's pretty fascinating talking about, you know, the different incidences that um, – have been cited and are known about. So no, you're right. L- yeah. Lots of strange cases over in Africa. Yeah. All throughout history. Yeah. There's, there's a lot more than I would have ever imagined. And, you know, there are definitely some alien bases there in North and Southern Africa. So, and the, the aliens have been there for, or have, have gone there for years and years. 
I was trying to think of one of the names for the aliens that the Africans were naming, but now I can't remember it. Well, the the Dogon people had interaction with a certain kind, but I know the reptoids have a huge base in northern Africa somewhere. I know the raptors have or had a base in southern Africa, and there's a couple other species, and without looking at my notes, I don't know who they are, but um, it does talk about different species that have visited that, you know, Africa. And Joanne, by any chance, have you ever had any personal experience with a, a sighting at any time? Yes, I have. <laughs> really? Um, Do tell. I've had a few. And the the simpler ones where I was walking with some friends in Phoenix. And, you know, Mark always tells me when I'm traveling, make sure you look up. So we're walking along a street that's not very well lighted. And I'm looking up and there's this, you would think it was a star, but all of a sudden it was blinking on and off like it was saying hello. So then I would go go back and see Mark. And he goes, yeah, they were saying hello to you. It's like, cool. And then I've been on a big sky watch with um, the MUFON group in California that I'm involved with. And like during the summer or way before, you know, before COVID, obviously, we would have a summer potluck and and there would be a lot of night vision goggles going on. But I wasn't wearing the goggles, but there were two very slow shooting stars going by. It's like, huh. Um, So I, I figured those were not shooting stars. And then one of the times I was driving to see Mark, probably when he was at a facility near Sacramento. So it was a longer drive and I had to leave early in the morning when it was still dark. And I'm driving along this you know, two lane highway and I'm looking up and again, there's this thing that's really bright light. And then all of a sudden it disappears and then it comes back on and it disappears. And because the, the Raptors, for example, have the ability to, you know, cloak their ship. So it's like, okay, cool. The best one. Um, oh, before I get to the best one, one of the times I was in England, I was out walking at late at night or at night. It was dark with some friends and we looked up. The stars are all coming out. And all of a sudden there's this one star and all of a sudden it like shoots, you know, shoots sideways. And then like it does a 90 degree angle. I'm going, well, okay, that's not a star. And then, but the best one was, I guess it was just a year ago because I was turning 65 and we had a wedding anniversary and we had a family visit all at the same time. And Joanne, you're in your 60s. I'm 66. Joanne, you don't look that way in person at all. <laughs> and I'm not saying that to, you know, blow smoke up the proverbial end there. But uh, Joanne, I mean, you look a lot younger than that when I met you. Thank you. My I have God, grandchildren. <laughs> look at you, Joanne. Yeah. My goodness. Go ahead. Thank you. Um. Well, we, you know, we were, when you're on a family visit, the inmate at certain times of the day and night have to go to the outer door to be counted by the guards. So it was the time for the 930 count. Mark is waiting by the door because he'd gotten his phone call saying, you know, it's time to go to the door. So he's at the door. And then I think he'd already been counted. Then he's standing out there or he's waiting anyway. Um, and he tells me to come outside. I'm just watching like the news or something. And all of a sudden we're looking up through the, the screen that covers the patio. And there's this huge triangular craft that is very visible. And it had red lights around some of the edges and it goes very slowly over where we our apartment area. And then not too long after that, it had must have circled around and it came back just to make sure I saw it. So I could see that it was triangular. It was very dark. I'm assuming it was black. Um, the engine or something was going like, whop, 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 whop. You know, so there was a noise. Yes. And it was going too slow for much slower than our 
human aircraft would have been able to do. And it was really low. So that was my most exciting UFO sighting. Understood. <laughs> I like that. And by the way, Oscar in the chat says, what planet is Jared Kushner from? That's a good question, <laughs> by the way. I don't know. He might be from Venus or he might be from Mars. Who knows? <laughs> and Joanne, uh, by the way, I must ask, um, you know, I, I labeled the video here. What is a secret space program? Right. And I think we pretty much answered that already. You know, in my mind, and I've come to learn that there is more than one secret space program. So in, in my mind, I keep it pretty simple. The military has a space program. And there's many whether missions. There's, you know, whether there's the militaries of various countries, you know, there's probably, there's obviously more than one. I always thought there was just one, but obviously there's more than one space program. But to me, it's just the military has a space program that is separate from the civilian space program because they need to deal with stuff that we're not supposed to know about. By the way, one of the, um, well, reverting back to some of the sightings in, in Africa, by the way, mm -hmm. I, I believe I recall what they were referring to as some sort of like reptilian-like uh, being out there. The, I think right. it's the Zulu tribe. They were referring to this being as Umbaba Samahango. Oh, wow. I think that's the I haven't heard way. that name, but I do know there's there's a, a um, an illustration I use when I'm talking about reptoids because they they descended from a you know dinosaur species that looks very much like what the the raptors still look like um they're kind of like cousin species but after a an asteroid hit the planet millions of years ago right. They evolved into a more humanoid looking species. So there's an illustration, and I'm not the only person who uses it, of a humanoid looking reptilian that's walking around clearly in Africa. And you can still see that, I mean, you can see that they still have three toes. Most, you know, they don't have their tails or they don't show their tails. Their faces aren't as pointy as a raptor, obviously, but I can assure you they still have sharp teeth and they will chew you or eat you or. And they're, you know, they are behind a lot of terrorism. So, you know, they're behind ISIS or they were. They're behind a lot of, you know, civilian looking terrorism. Like maybe if there's a terrorist act at a mall, it could very well be the reptoids. And like I've said, um, with all the protests that have gone on in these last several months, Mark has seen reptoids in the crowds. Not that they're, you know, not that, you know, again, I have nothing wrong with the peaceful protest and what they're protesting. It was like the violent looting that was getting incited that had nothing to do with the cause of the protest. But, you know, and of course, those those news videos quickly get taken off the air. So, yeah, that always you know, happens. Probably though. never find them. Yeah. I, ideas always turn. Well, ideas, I should say, they, they always go, they always come from a good place, but sometimes they could snowball into nightmares. Right. And that's kind of what and, we see all the time. Yeah. Um, so are, is somebody asking if I believe in aliens? Yes. Of course and she I, does. <laughs> I, I One of my favorite talks to give, because I like sharing the information, um, I have a, a talk just about alien species. Most of them are positive, and then I have to throw in, you know, some about the negative ones I know about. But, I mean, there's hundreds of species out there. Sure. So And Joanna, I got to ask. I, more than I know about, but... Mark's written a little bit about many of them. And when he was young, he was at a conference here on Earth 
And there was at least 100 species. And 10 years later, at another conference as a young adult, there were, you know, twice as many. So there are hundreds of species of aliens. And they're way more, all of them are more advanced than we are. Joanne, let me ask you this. Sure. Warner von Braun, which yep. alien race was behind the Nazis? I, I know that the, the, he, Hitler was involved with definitely the reptoids and I think the raptors for a while. So they were behind. Um, until until he pissed them off. He pissed them off. And then they pulled their support. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's very, very And I don't know what he did to piss them off, but that's why he didn't win the war, one of the reasons. Understood. And just to switch gears here for just one second, um, are you still close to MUFON at all? Um, I, I'm... I'm friends with people who run, you know, I'm friends with a person who runs a MUFON group. I'm, I'm not I'm an only official a, member. I'm only asking, Joanne, because I have no idea what's been going on with MUFON. It seems like they've been just, it's one issue after trauma. another. So I'm not yeah. that close. Okay. Um, you know, I've spoken at a couple of their meetings and things like that, but um, I don't, you know, I, I listen to the, I, I listen to the story or the drama when it's told in a meeting I'm at, but I, I don't follow it and I don't get involved with it. That's probably a good thing that you don't. Yeah. Like I said, I have a busy life and I, I don't want to get wrapped up in everybody else's drama. Good. Yeah. Very good. It's just sometimes, you know, I get these occasional emails that are inquiring about MUFON and what I think. And I'm just like, I can't really answer that because right. I, I'm not familiar with the situation. And it seems like it's always one problem after another with MUFON as of late. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't really heard anything lately, but again, I'm um, maybe for the best. The, the meetings are <laughs> virtual, and you know, so we don't have our. We used to go out to dinner afterwards, so there'd be a lot more chatty, chatty talking and news <laughs> announcing type of things. So for sure, I, I'm kind of out of the loop on a lot of things. And Joanne, when is the next time you will talk to Mark? If you know, I have no idea. I oh, mean, no, he he's called me a couple of times since COVID. Um, but he hasn't been able to get through lately. So, um, I have no idea when I'll, and I have no idea when I'll see him in person. Like I said, he's still writing a lot. So, but again, it, it doesn't, you know, there's a lot more that we would normally say in person than we can say over the phone or in writing, you know. Understood. Yeah. Understood. And what does he make of David Ike? We don't really talk about David Ike. Um, Nothing about David. I, okay. And I just know from the few things I've heard David Icke say, there's, there's, especially just on the, on the reptilian topic. Um, I don't agree with a lot of things David says. So I, see. I don't, I don't listen to everything he says. So I'm not, you know, I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. I just know that I disagree with some of his reptilian information. And in terms of abduction cases, it seems like we haven't heard too many stories as of late. Um, these stories of abductions, we, we haven't really heard as many as we used to. Have you noticed that trend too? Well, you know, we've had a string of fires. Okay, go. Yeah, let's talk about the fires. And, and we've had all these storms hitting the south. Yes. And people go missing. They do, yes. So um, I, I will say that uh, in one of Mark's letters, he was commenting that, isn't it interesting, you know, that the there's still some fires going on in California in the Napa, Sonoma, that region that, are not getting talked about anymore on the news because everything's been about um, the protesting you know, the yeah. and, mm -hmm. and Trump going in and out of the hospital and all that. But right. uh, Mark was commenting that um, 
you know, just obviously thousands and thousands of acres have been destroyed. There's a lot of people that are missing. Um, they're uh, in a lot of, magic power spots have been mm. damaged or destroyed. And he said the two two big ones in Napa and Sonoma, one was called the Zog Fire, which he said, isn't that interesting? That's an alien enemy general in the Superman movies or series or whatever. And the Glass Fire, which is huge, um, it kind of reminds you of like the looking glass as if you're thinking about a portal. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's these fires are happening where there's portals. There's just one piece of information. And um, he, he I think it was last year or the year before, but it, I think it was last year There were, when we had all these fires again. You know, there was a fire that came right to the edge of the prison he's at, and they do not evacuate the inmates. And this year wow. there's another fire that came over from Napa Valley and went into parts of Vacaville. And he could see the people in the neighborhood across the street because his window looks across the street in the, the residential area, the people were all evacuating and they do not evacuate the inmates. Wow. That's so, terrible. By the way. Yeah. He said it was like, it felt to him like a war zone and as if the prison and Travis air force base, which is right down the road were being targeted. Um, and then he said recently, because you know, there's a lot of fires in, in Southern California as well, but he said he heard on a radio show and you know, we'll probably won't hear this again either that I think it was maybe one of the firefighting leaders or somebody with, you know, that was being interviewed. He said, you know, it's like even he admitted, and this was not a military guy that these, not all these fires could have been naturally started. And it was like, there was some laser weapons being oh, used yes. or like a military grade weapon from space. Directed perhaps, energy or, weapon. Right. Yeah. Something was being used. So I, you know, for a few years now, it's been my firm belief that there's been, aliens behind a lot of these nasty fires. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned the fires, but also going back to the interview, some of the interviews I've heard with Mark and um, Carrie. Carrie, yes. I recall, I do recall there was a portion of that interview that I heard where Fukushima was mentioned as well. Yeah, he, he um, when that happened, I remember him saying he had seen a video in the news and then it got immediately taken off that he saw a video with a missile going right towards Fukushima. So, you know, it was attacked by something. And and the, the earthquake that was causing the tsunami was probably not a natural earthquake because when you upset beings that live in the ocean, they might react badly. That's pretty wild. And yeah. uh, Joanne, have you experienced um, a great quake at all? 1989, there was a pretty big one in the the, the Bay Area here in California. So um, I, I was there when that happened, the Loma Prieta quake. Ah, okay. So you, yeah. so you have been through a big one. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. Yeah, I was here for the um, the very famous... Easter Sunday quake of 2010, a seven point, uh, they say it's a 7.3, 7.2, but at the time after, after it wow. happened, I saw on Twitter that it was a 7.4. Where was that? Here, well, I'm in all central California and I believe okay. it happened a little bit further south of uh, Mexico. Okay. In Baja, California. Yeah, wow. I'm pretty close to the border, by the way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But hell, I, I felt it. It was pretty damn powerful. Mm -hmm. Everything was, I mean, at the time, I thought, here we are, it's 2010. I thought, 
the Anunnaki are coming. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I'm like, well, they're here early. Yeah, it's interesting because when I moved into Mark's family house, you know, and I, and again, I grew up in California and I was a Mormon for a long time. So Mormons believe in food storage um, and just being prepared. Right. So, you know, he reminded me, it's like, gather at least a month's worth of food and water. And, you know, I always forget to stock up on the toilet paper and the extra cat food, but I'm getting better at that. But, you know, and people think I'm crazy if you walk into the house and you see all these gallon jugs of water and it's like, well, if there's an earthquake, I want to be able to flush the toilet, you know, so I'm going to use that water That's for right. that and this water over here for drinking. <laughs> That's but, smart. Um, you know, you just, if you grow up in California, you, you learn that you need to be prepared at least to survive for a few days, Yeah, if not longer. That's what we learn out here. And of course, especially if you live on the San Andreas fault line, like I do. Right. That's just bad news all around. And, of course, going back to the interview here, I recall um, a mention of black holes as well. With, oh. I think Mark was calling them a black star. I don't remember that part of the conversation. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I don't always listen to every word they say. I don't have all the details that, either. But- yeah, it was about a warp drive sort of technology. Ah. Uh. They, like I said, they talk fast and Very sometimes fast. it's over my head, so I'm not listening. Or I might have stepped away to go get food at the moment. No, I hear you. you know, I, I know there's been a few interviews where I just kind of tuned out. Now, the last few interviews, I sat there and, and contributed when I could. But um, sometimes I used to tune out a little bit. That's okay. And, Joanne, let me, let me ask you this. Uh-huh. What does humanity require to become one of these cutting-edge, seafaring races who can travel throughout space at a drop of a dime? Okay, say that one more time. What what does humanity require to become one of these advanced sort of uh, species that uh, can travel throughout space at a drop of a dime, in other words? Well, as civilians or as... I mean, the military are, already travels in space. Um, so I, I think if we wanted to go as civilians, I mean, and you, you already have, and I, okay, this is not my area of expertise, but you already have civilians that are creating spacecraft and it's, they've been successful. So we know tourism, you know, wants to happen. But in my opinion, we need to be, uh, you know, we need to be not so ready to attack something else that we might see out there that we might not know about. We need to be mindful of maybe not littering as much because we have littered space tremendously and we're known for shooting first and asking questions later. So we need to become a lot more friendly. But um, it's kind of like when you're a diplomat and if you don't know how to say hello in that person's language, especially if that person's not a person and they're not human, if you can't speak their language, even in simple phrases, you could start a galactic war. So we have to be very careful. I'm not opposed to going out in space, and I, I would love to. You would, would go out there. You you would go out there with uh, Elon Musk, the whole space tourism. Uh, if you had the cash, you would sign up to do that, Joanne. Is that what you're telling me? I, I would. I would entertain the thought. Yes, because oh I would love to interact with other species. Friendly ones, obviously. I'm you afraid know, of heights, saying, Joanne. I'm scared of heights. I don't think I could do it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't, think I could I do don't it. want to look out the window when it's, we're going, but um, but I obviously I think I would prefer to be here on the planet here and have them come visit me. Sure. I have seen you know pieces of property in England that I have fallen in love with, and I've said, Mark, you know, it's got a great field. Your friends could land there. It's got a big enough 
you know, house for us to have the grandchildren there. Just, you know, let's write a check. Let's buy it. Not, not that we did or could, but, you know, it's like I want the, the kind of home where it's big enough for human and non-human friends to, to come and visit so we can all chat and learn from each other. Understood. And, of course, Elon Musk has shown great interest and in <laughs> wanting to sort of populate Mars, for instance, and... I wonder what he knows. That that leads, yeah, he wants to terraform Mars, basically. I'm wondering, um, does Mark or do you know by any chance what other alien races feel about us sort of going down that sort of road where we uh, are starting to, I guess, um, I guess uh, take up some of what belongs to them, I guess you can say. Most, many, many alien species do not think very highly of us. I thought so. And and they do not want us encroaching on their territory in mm. space. And there are aliens that have bases on Mars, but I don't know much about that. Um, some of them, some species already have mining operations out in space. They don't want us encroaching on their mining operations. And um, oh, what was the other thing? Again, like I said, we litter. We're terrible environmentally. Yeah, we did see an um, article about that in, in regards to space just this week about space being littered. Yeah. Too many it's, satellites, it's too much crap. Debris. Full of debris, correct. And even a lot of that debris has fallen down into certain parts of the former Soviet Union. Um, most species don't think of us as sentient beings because our civilizations are so much younger and less advanced than they are. So... Yeah, then I then I imagine that they can be too happy with us sort of occupying uh, Mars or any, any other planet. Probably not. Now, on the other hand, there are species who want to get to know us better. I mean, there's a species that has a base here in Australia, and they're simply merchants, and they're very friendly. Oh, wow. And they would like nothing better than for us to be friends openly with them so that they can have us as clients. You know, they'd like to sell to us. Um, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. Which alien race is helping um, Putin? <laughs> I'm curious. Well, it, it used to be the reptoids. Now, I don't know who it is today because I'm not able to see Mark. Yeah, um, I hear you. But okay. the reptoids used to help Putin. Wow. Mm-hmm. I thought so. I was going to say it, it, it must it have been them. It kind of changes. It depends on, you know, who's who's getting the best deal. So All about that money, huh? Yeah, it I is. And, so. and again, um, like there's a report that he wrote that happened, you know, about an incident that happened in the mid to late seventies. And he was talking about different country governments having certain deals and quotas they had to meet. It's like, Hey, we'll trade you this many humans for this much technology. And sometimes conflicts would happen because one side or the other got greedy. By the way, I know this all sounds kind of silly for some people out there, but if you actually do look into it, you'll find out that other governments out there are actually quite serious about alien interaction with uh, their military. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they take it very seriously around the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you'll find out pretty quickly, uh, especially like the said, Russians. The, the reptoids were, were backing ISIS, and there's a picture that somebody – I interviewed with somebody in Scotland years ago – and he sent me this photograph that he'd seen or got or whatever, and I don't know where I have it now, but um, some in, not inmates, prisoners, you know, Middle Easterner prisoners 
And they were being escorted by some very tall guards or soldiers and much taller than the people of that region would have normally been, probably. Um, so, but I know Mark wrote a whole report on ISIS and the reptoids backing them. Understood. And Joanne, just a quick off topic question here. Are, are you a fan of Star Trek by any chance? I used to watch the TV show and I've seen several of the movies. Um, I'm not like a huge Trekkie. I'm not going to go to a, a, a Star Trek convention and get all dressed up. Um, I watched Star Wars, the I, first th three, but I never saw mm -hmm. all the others that came on. So. I kind of preferred Star Wars over Star Trek. I'm not sure if you are in that category or not. Yeah. Um, I don't, again, because I grew up with Star Trek, the TV show. So, right. you know, I don't really have a strong opinion one way or the other. <laughs> But so you're a fan of William Shatner. Concerned. Pardon me? I said, so you're a fan of William Shatner. Um, just because I liked the TV show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's what I knew. And, and Mark, the military was working with them, the TV producers and movie producers, you know, giving them information about a lot of this stuff. So yeah, it seems like George Lucas knew a lot. Yeah. A lot of weird stuff there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Star Wars is awesome, but yeah, Star Trek is okay. I'm not—I don't mean to completely bury it here on the program. There was some great talent on that show as well, but actually, only two went on to make great careers, and the rest sort of kind of fizzled out, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Perhaps that's like the same phenomena with like a child star. They're—they're they're great children, child actors, and and they burn out, right? Have a successful career as an adult. So, so Joanne, I mean, we are coming close to the end here, and. I feel like we've learned a lot. Good. And Joanna, I got to ask, what what else are you into outside of aliens and all of this, what we've been talking about here tonight? Well, what else makes Joanne tick? <laughs> What's up um, with Joanne here? I love, I, I love my family, my grandchildren, my daughter. I am... I, I love the paranormal and the whole elemental realm and magic. And I've written a book about my life, you know, how I can how I not kind of how I went from a, a seemingly normal childhood into several bad marriages, and then found Mark. We found each other, and he introduced me to a lot of these interesting new topics that are fully part of my life at this point. And you know, it's like if I could retire today and just spend time with my grandchildren, and you know practice magic and, you know, learn more about the fairies and teach about that, I'd be in hog heaven. So <laughs> Understood. So, Joanne, so you mentioned something to me, and now I'm more, much more uh, interested in your background here. Uh, the, the first husband, <laughs> how old were you when you married him? Like around 20. So you were pretty young. Yeah. And I'd been in college for mm -hmm. two years, and then we got married. So you met him in college? I did. Um, Was it love at first sight, Joanne? Be honest. No, no, no. He's but, like, whatever. But I was, okay. I was a Mormon. I was going to BYU. I met this guy at a dance, you know, uh -oh. we got along fine and his family was pushing him to get married because it was just mm -hmm. time to get married. Joanne. And I was a home economics major. So he saw yeah, you join and he went I, for it. Pardon me. He I, went for it. <laughs> he went for it. Yeah. I, I, I always wanted a, a big family, which didn't happen. And, oh, Joanne. you know, I wanted this happy little marriage and, um, I kept trying. <laughs> so I see. Our marriage only lasted a year. I understood. Why only a year, Joanne? Did you guys have just, um, well, actually, I can't even, I because don't even know. Because we weren't getting along. And oh, you guys were just fighting. It. 
What was that? Sorry, I talked. I talked. I talked over you. My bad. Oh, I'm sorry. We weren't getting along. He kicked me out. He and, kicked you out. Yeah, and so I left. <sighs> my goodness. And I went back home to my family, and you know, later he decided he um, he wanted to get back together. I said, "Well, you're in Utah. I'm in Connecticut. If you want to come out and talk to me, no." I go, "Well, then, too bad." <laughs> well, Joanne, you might have made the right decision. I did. You were already pretty young. You don't need to be getting married. Yeah, but it, it, when you're a Mormon, you tend to get married kind of young. True. And he, he was a Mormon too, or what was going on? He was. Okay, he was. so he was. So your parents automatically loved him, correct? No, mine didn't because they Ooh. weren't Mormon. They didn't care. Okay, they didn't, they didn't really care. like him that much. <laughs> but they went along with us getting married. Understood, understood. My goodness, Joanne. You, you lived a pretty fascinating <laughs> life, Joanne, you know? Yes. You really have. You can't, you, to be honest with you, I, and I know we've talked about this before. You're, you're kind of considered like the black sheep of your family, right? Um, Slightly. not necessarily. Not necessarily. No. Um, I've certainly had a lot of non mainstream experiences. And I mean, I'm not the only one in my family. One of my, one of my sisters has been married more than once, but I've been married many times. And so that's kind of unusual for my family. And nobody else really is passionate about things I'm passionate about, but. Um, but well, so, they, I mean, they, so, you know, they still like me. So, Joanne, you kind of are the black sheep of the family then. Well, I'm not ostracized. My 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 siblings, well, my we get along still. We just don't talk about certain things. Mm. See, that's more of the, the, the um, that, that's more of the division that goes on. Yeah, but that's okay, you know. Yeah. So, of course, when it's time for, let's say, a, um, let's say Christmas sort of outing, do they ever mention uh, Mark or do they ever bring up anything like that to you, Joanne? Sure. I mean, okay. the one sister that I spend the most time with, she's fine about Mark. And, you know, we don't go into lengths about uh, UFO stuff. But, I mean, she's certainly more accepting about it in the prison stuff than maybe they were when we first got together. Um, nobody else really wants to talk about it. So, but, you know, we, we're fine at family gatherings. and. Not all my siblings are together. We're never all together at one time. So understood. Yeah. Well, I do appreciate your honesty, of course. Sure. I like that you are open and you're upfront, and you know it's good that I have these talks with you because it, it lets <laughs> other it lets other people know that it's okay to be different. I mean, it is. We, we've had we were before we even went on air. We were talking about how uh, politics has been very. Uh, polarizing for lots of people out there. We are divided. Lots of people are. And uh, I'm sure you've seen lots of that. We already discussed that. Yeah. And again, I'm sure you've had these issues with your family and Mark. They probably think, well, that's kind of odd that she's married to some guy in prison. I'm sure you've had that discussion with them. But now over time, they they probably have gotten over that at this time, right? Uh, yeah, I was to say the the one sister that I'm really close to, um, you know, they she will now ask about him, and she lets me talk okay. about the That's conditions good. at prison, and and um, she and her husband are are open to me talking about UFOs and alien stuff. So, so that's nice. I don't have to like keep everything repressed. Good. So, I'm so glad. Yeah. 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 Because you know, sometimes I even get emails from people that. Even young, very young listeners, they reach out and they say, I'm an atheist and, uh, I, I'm, 
I'm part of a very Christian family and I, I don't know how to come out and tell my mom or dad that I'm an atheist. Then, you know, I, I, I feel for those people. Yeah. Cause it's a big deal for them. It might not be for, yeah, it might not be for you or me or some of the listeners out there, but some people will have those families where if you reveal that, they will exile you from the family, no doubt. Right. I, I have friends that have experienced that. So, yeah, see, so you know what I'm talking about. I do. Crazy. And, you know, I just, my brother is, is very um, Christian. And just because I was a Mormon, that was number one, bad. Mm. And number two, um, you know, getting married lots of times was not good in his eyes. So, of course, of course. <laughs> so he's thought of you as a sinner then. Pretty much. The heretic. Pretty much. Ah, so, yes. The devil, yeah. basically, in, Going in his straight eyes. straight to hell. Yeah, but that's right. whatever. You know, he's, he's now seen me married to Mark for over 20. Well, we haven't been married. We've been married 18 years. So, But he's seen me with the same man for over 20 years. So I've made a lot of progress. He's got to deal with it. That's right. And uh, the brother. And were, were you close to him growing up? A little bit, you not know, really. He was the only boy in the family, so I, mm. I wouldn't say we were real, real close. There might have been times where we were closer than oh, other times. He gave but again, you, he gave you hell, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, he Joanne. To, he used to hit us. Oh, I knew it. <laughs> he used to beat us up. I knew it a bit, and then he'd get in trouble. The poor thing. <laughs> so, you know. See, Joanne, I, I like having these talks with you. Look, look how much you <laughs> revealed to me, Joanne. This only helps. That only helps you look better. Makes you look more more human for those that. Um, are a little bit on the fence of, of Joanne Richards here who questioned yeah. you, Joanne. I mean, this is, this was a great time. Thank you. Well, you know, my, my life, be, especially with this book, my life's pretty much an open book. So, you know, if people want to email me, they're welcome to email me. Understood. And chat. So, so Joanne, before I let you uh, part ways here, are there, well, I should say, is there anything you'd like to add or maybe disclose, plug anything you feel uh, necessary sure. to let say. Me, Go ahead. Sure. Well, let me give you my website. It's www.edhca.org or edhq.org. So my email, you can get me my email through either one of those websites. One of them has a video of one of the talks I've given. Um, the other one has a list of all the reports that we sell. So that's pretty cool. Feel free to email me with questions. Um, we're also going to work on a project uh, specifically about raptors. And, and really delving into what they're like and what they believe and that kind of stuff. So if anybody has any burning questions about, and not silly stuff, please, but serious questions about what raptors are like or what their society is like, feel free to email me so that we can, you know, so I can give that to Mark and, you know, he can work on that. And again, you know, my book hopefully will be out before the end of the year and it's called Midlife Magic. So, you know, I've got a face, I'm on Facebook. So, you know, I've got an Earth Defense Headquarters Facebook group and an author page. So, you know, come find me, come follow me, you know, look for when the book comes out. Very nice. Once again, Joanne, I, I want to thank you so much for being a part of the program. Thanks Loved, for having me. Yes, no problem. Loved having you here. You mean a lot to us here, Joanne, as you were the first guest on the program. <laughs> that is historical. Uh, yes. historic to me rather and i will never forget it. thank you so much joanne we will oh, talk thank to you. you yes ma'am we will talk to you again in the near okay. future thanks everybody for being here take care joanne you too stay safe thanks you B too bye-bye bye and there she goes boys and girls that was the one and only joanne richards and wow we learned a lot there i'm looking at the clock now and it wow 
Time has flown by, boys and girls, and it is that part of the show where I say goodbye to all of you. It's the hardest part of all. It truly is. I want to thank all of you out there for being a part of the program this evening. We weren't here for a long time. We were definitely here for a good time. So once again, thank you so much for being a part of the program. Those of you in the chat room, the international listeners out there, thank you so much for hanging out. And of course, those who want bonus material, please direct yourself to patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. And that's right. That is where you'll find bonus material. Anything does help to keep the ball rolling here. International listeners out there, thank you so much for your support. Those in Germany, UK, Canada, New Zealand, and I might be forgetting another another country out there. Also, you can find the podcast rendition of this program on iTunes, Google Play, CastBox, which I love, and uh, Stitcher. You can find this program on uh, most podcast platforms, the ones that are quite popular. That's where you'll find the show. Just simply search Michael Deacon, and uh, yeah, you'll find it. By the way, before I part ways with you guys, I almost forgot to do this. We we have to play a certain sound bit before we part ways here. And I'm trying to find it, bo- uh, boys and girls, but where the hell is it? It's lost. Where is the Kenneth Copeland sound drop? Did somebody move? Oh, wait, there it is. Now we found it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Here we go. Put your hand on that television. There we go. Let us pray. Yes, Lord. Lilith, you are right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He received your healing. Good old Kenneth Copeland. Now, say it, I take it. I take it. I have it. I have it. It's mine. It's mine. I thank you and praise you for it. Yes. And I forgive if I have aught against any. And I praise you that I'm well and whole. I praise you that I'm well. Yes. According to the word of God. The word of God. I'm healed. I'm healed. Yes. And I consider not my own body. Yes. I am the yes. COVID yes. God. I consider not symptoms in my body. I consider not symptoms in my body. But only that which God has promised. Only that only which that God has promised. I'm feeling pretty holy only right that now. what the word has said. That's for sure. And by his stripes I was healed. And by his stripes I am healed now. I'm not the sick trying to get healed. I'm the healed and the devil's trying to give me the flu. The devil trying, flu. Or whatever else kind of thing he's trying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> healed and well. Yes. In the sweet name, name of Jesus. Jesus. Sweet Jesus. Yeah. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wherever I go, God rules. I'm healed too, Lilith. When no I doubt. walk on White House grounds, God walks on White House That's grounds. That's right. God. I have every right He's and coming. authority to declare the White House as holy ground because I was standing. Thank God for COVID 19. To say no to President Trump would be saying no to God. And therefore, and I won't do that. We are in a spiritual war right now. Let every demonic network that has aligned itself against the purpose, against the calling of President Trump, let it be broken. Let it be torn down in the name of Jesus. Oh my God. You want me to tell you what my thoughts are? Here we go. The thoughts of the King of Kings, the thoughts of the Lord of Lords. I'm downloading heaven. <laughs> the hell is she saying?
I kind of know I'm a little bit cute, all right? I am Paula, who is pretty. Well, maybe I'm not going to be pretty when I'm 90 years old. Here's this former messed up Mississippi girl. Lived in a trailer that they called trailer trash. Daddy committed suicide. Got pregnant out of wedlock. Been married. Been divorced. Not all once. You know, twice. People go, well, how'd you become the spiritual advisor of the president? We'll get to that later. It's all in there. Michael Jackson, Kid Rock, the president. It's all in there. It's all all in there. Thank you, Paula. What a great job you do. The evangelicals. Amazing. Here we're more popular than ever with the evangelicals. You're the only one, and she'll tell the truth. She'll only tell the truth. Southern California is looking at, well, there's already law that's passed through the governor that says the Bible is a book of hate speech and to ban the sale of it. Snapchat was created as the largest human trafficking because the greatest people on there were human traffickers because the FBI and because intelligence could not do it because it's live and it's real time and they can track your kid in less than a second and take them. There's a department. Department of Treasury in heaven that God is watching over everything you do and you are storing up eternal treasure that will go so far beyond I think that we can even begin to imagine. Do you need to send in $3,500? Remember, God is watching. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night everybody.